Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, two weeks ago, if you missed out on Pastor Jacob's message, you're going to want to tune back in. Because two weeks ago, Pastor Jacob had six trash cans up here, if you were here. And he, and he gave his, his famous trash can talk about the spirit versus the flesh. And, and essentially he broke it down into, there's always a battle going on. How many know? Between the spirit and the flesh. But the one that you feed is the one that will grow. And he was very clear when he said that. Now, how many of you are like me that, At times, you have the best of intentions, right? You have the best of intentions. You begin to make a plan spiritually. You know the things you need to do, right? Read your Bible, pray, go to church, get in a group. You know all of these things, the right thing to do. And for a little while, you do it. But then how many know life happens, Life happens and you get distracted by a a sick child or you get distracted by a marriage or you get distracted by your boss or a coworker and life begins to take over and you find yourself drifting away. You find yourself in a place where you never wanted to be in the first place and you realize you go back to the flesh patterns instead of staying in the spirit. And you begin to look and you go, how in the world did I get to where I was hoping to be to where I am now? Can anyone relate to that? Am I the only one that's ever felt that way before looking back? For some of you, it may look like this. Let me give you some examples. And you may, you may just really, really get, say, this is me, Pastor Chris. But for some of you, you may go, you know, how did I get so depressed? For some of you, you may be wondering, how did I get so depressed? How am I so lonely and lacking joy? I see joy, everybody around, around me, but how come I can't have joy? My plan was to go ahead and have more joy, but, but that plan got distracted. And all of a sudden I find myself going, how in the world did I get depressed? For, for others, you're, you're a worrier. You know who you are. Where you're just anxious all the time and you're just going, how am am I doing this? I have no peace. I'm anxious. I'm worried about everything. Some of you are impatient and you're going, how did I get so impatient that that I'm just rushed in everything? I go from here to there. I'm demanding. And you're even sitting here and you're going, this sermon's already going to go really too long. I'm already rushed. When is I'm hungry for lunch, right? You just, you find yourself being impatient. Some of you, let's just come out and say it. You're battling with this. You're just flat out rude. (laughs) And usually you don't have to tell the people that are rude. They know they're rude. (laughs) But you find yourself going, I don't want to be short with people, pastors. I don't want to be harsh and sarcastic, but I just am. For others, you might be battling with unfaithfulness, maybe to a spouse, maybe in your thought life towards a friend, maybe you're gossiping, but you find yourself battling with this unfaithfulness that it just feels like I wasn't planning on getting there but I just felt like I drifted over there. And for others, maybe there's this pattern of self-indulgence where you just feel like I can't discipline myself. I can't get self-control. I just, I don't know how in the world I got here. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Anybody battled with anything like that before? I know I have, but let me stop for a second. 
Because there's an old sports saying that you may have heard of before. And in my time in sports, I heard it a million times from different coaches, different players. And here's what, here's what it is. Here's what I want you to get this morning. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your preparation. How many have heard that before? You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your preparation. And I believe that means in our spirit life as well. You don't all of a sudden rise to the occasion when the enemy begins to attack. No, 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 no. You fall to the level of your preparation or watch this. You fall to the level of your habits. And that is huge. That is huge in what we are doing. And I want to help this morning prepare you by unpacking and teaching you what I believe is the most important fundamental principle of being a Christian disciple and follower of Jesus that keeps you functioning in the spirit and out of the flesh. I want to teach you the most fundamental principle of Christianity, of if you are a born-again believer, this is not what you want to do. This is what we have to do. Now, how many of you want to know what that principle is? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, great. The rest of you, you can just tune in later, okay? Here's what it is. Are you ready? Okay, that's not ready. Are you ready? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right people here. I hope you're ready. It's very simple. Listen to this. Simply put, listen here. It's constantly remaining connected to Jesus. You're going, and? No, no, ands. <laughs> and what else? Is there a run-on sentence? Nope, there's not. It's constantly remaining connected to Jesus. Now, a lot of you, a lot of questions are rolling around in your mind. A lot of things are happening there. But I want to unpack some scripture this morning because Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15. Now, before we jump to John chapter 15 in your Bibles, if you have them, you can, great. It'll be on the screen if not. But before we jump to John chapter 15, let me set it up for you because this is very important. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels of Jesus. So think of it like a biography. It's not an autobiography. Jesus didn't write it himself. But these disciples wrote a biography about Jesus' life, the way he talked, walked, acted, slept, everything about him, the miracles. They wrote about him. And in John chapter 15, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's at the Last Supper. We all know it. We all have seen it. We've all had communion. That is what, where Jesus was. Now, he knows he's about to go to the cross and it's his last meal with his disciples, the 12 of them, that he walked with for three years. Now, don't you think if you had one last meal to share something with your friends, your family, your grandkids, don't you think that probably would be the most important lesson you would wanna leave with them, amen? Right, it would probably be the most important thing, the very most important thing, and it was crucial. And so he gave them one final lesson, one final truth that I believe is the fundamental principle for all Christians that are in here today. This is huge. This will change your life if you can get it. We can talk through all the self-help you want, how to have a better life in four days, right? We can all do that. But this is the fundamental principle of what it is. And here's what he talks about. John chapter 15, starting in verse one. We're gonna read eight verses. So stay with me. Jesus is speaking and he shares with them this truth. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Pause. Notice how Jesus said, I am the true vine. 
which makes me think there's probably some fake vines that are out there that are trying to connect you to them. Come on. There's probably some fake vines that a lot of us are trying to get connected to that aren't going to do diddly squat for you. So he said, I'm the true vine. Here we go. Keep going. Verse two. He said, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean, believers, disciples, born again, children of God. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me. Everybody say remain. Okay. As I also, what's that word? Remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you're picking up. (laughs) If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me, in my words, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse eight, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Watch this. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what's the common theme that Jesus was reinforcing here? Everybody tell me. It's like the word of the day. Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, right. We all know it. Those old folks in here, you know what I'm talking about. Word of the day, remain. It's remain, if you haven't figured it out. It's remain. It's remain. It's remain. That Greek word means to abide, dwell, stay in, stay with, park yourself, be planted in. And Jesus used this agricultural reference that we might not be familiar with. But listen, you don't have to have a green thumb to understand that a branch can only bear fruit if it's connected to the vine. We know it. And Jesus says with it. And John, listen to me, writes this down so emphatically. I love it. Here's a crazy thing. Eight different times in these eight verses, Jesus says the word remain. And listen, it's such a huge thing in John's gospel that throughout the book of John, it is the second most used word and theme in John's gospel. The first one is love. The second one is you better remain with Jesus. It is such a huge principle that we're about to unpack right now to remain, abide. And it's saying, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. If you stay with me, Jesus said, I'll stay with you. There's such a huge principle to this. You can't miss this. And the question you might be having is, why is Jesus emphasizing this so much? Well, think about it. He knew how tough this world would be. He knew in 2022 how crazy things would get. He knew how your life would be marked out and it would be easy to get pulled away and distracted. So his number one message to his disciples, this is crazy. He said, I just want you to remain. I just want you to stay with me. And what Jesus understood was so great because in the the chapter before, he said, hey guys, I'm gonna go away, but it's good that I go away because when I go away, I'm gonna give you something else. It's called my Holy Spirit. And see, Jesus was physical, 100% God, 100% man. He couldn't be in all places at once, but he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the advocate to help you. And now you can be with me wherever you are. And I can be with everyone. 
And so Jesus was clever in this, that he said, this is so big. But something else is a reason, listen to me, that Jesus emphasized this so dearly. And this is so big. Please don't miss this. Is here's what he, it's the planted, it's the principle of being planted. Here's what it is. Everyone, read this quote. You can, everyone is planted somewhere. You're either being formed into the image of Jesus or you're being deformed into the image of the devil. Now, some of y'all are going, wow, that's heavy. I'm just telling you the reality. You're not just standing still. You're moving towards something or someone. You're either being pressed into the mold of the world and what they want you to think, act, be, dress, do, look, everything. Or you're being pressed into the image of Jesus, which takes abiding, remaining, and being with him. Amen? This is so big. So you need to ask yourself the question, am I being pressed in to the image of the devil and being deformed, which God never wanted me to be deformed, or am I being formed into the image of who Jesus is? Now, let's unpack that for a bit, okay? So I want to give you three key elements, key elements to this principle of remaining connected to Jesus, okay? And then we'll close right out shortly after that. The first one is this. The first one is our position. Everybody say position. Our position. You ever heard the term, know your role? Know your role, man. Know your role, right? I've heard that so many times in the sports realm. And Jesus defines our role in verse 5 of John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, Jesus said that, what I believe is because he knew we were going to be really, really slow, right? You want to know why I really think he said that? I think he said that because he wanted to make sure that we knew our position and where, what posture we were supposed to take. Let, let me give you an example. I was, um, a couple years ago, my oldest boy, he is eight now, so he was probably six at the time. He started doing something interesting that I just started to get annoyed with. And uh, I had to kind of call him out on it. And we were, I can't remember what we were doing. We might've been throwing the football or doing something sports-wise and we're just throwing it back and forth. And I just remember him, he just, he just, he caught the ball one time or did something. He goes, hey, nice throw, bro. And I was like, what? I just, I kind of like was like, maybe he's just, maybe he heard that term somewhere else. We're throwing the ball back and forth. And he's like, oh, hey, bro, did you see that catch? And I'm like, what did you say? So I let it go the second time. And the third time, he came up to me, ran up to me. Bro, that was awesome. And I said, who are you talking to right now? I'm like, are you calling me bro? And I sat him down and I looked at him with a father's heart. And I said, listen to me. I'm not your bro. I'm your, I'm your father. Here's what I told him. If you don't position yourself correctly, you'll never receive what the father has for you. If you can't position yourself correctly, church, you'll never receive what the heavenly father wants to give you. It's so big. He says, stay connected, remain in me, but know your role, your role. You're not the vine, you're the branch. You're a little twig. Me and you are twigs. We're just twigs off the branch. And God knows what he's doing if we can stay connected because he wants to give us good, good things. But I believe part of the confusion, if we're just being very honest, part of the confusion that why we get out of our role and we get out of position is that we're confused about the goal of Christianity. Think about that for a moment. 
We're confused. Most Christians are confused about what the goal of Christianity is. If I was to ask you, most of us would probably say it's to be good or better or to get good enough. Some sort of better, good, getting there mentality and principle would probably mark most believers. But can I share with you? Can I share with you the goal of Christianity? This will help transform your entire walk with Jesus. I'm telling you, this is huge. The goal that we see all throughout the gospel has nothing to do with being good. Zero. The goal of the gospel of what Jesus did with his disciples was clear. He said, come and follow me. He called disciples. Watch this. Because our goal of Christianity is to be with Jesus so we can become like Jesus so that we can do what Jesus did. You're going, whoa. I don't think I've ever heard that before. It's because most of the time we're trying to get good or be good enough. When watch this, we just have to be with Jesus. And when we're with Jesus, we begin to think, talk, walk, act like him. So we become like Jesus and we begin to see people the way that he saw them, love, do miracles and start to understand what it's about. Then we do what Jesus did, which is love others with a passionate burning love and love our father. That is so big. As believers, this is where we should be. But it starts with being with remaining in Jesus. Because if you're not connected, listen to me, you're going to miss out. If you're not connected, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me give you another example. Everyone has a phone in here. Amen. Raise your hand if you have a phone. Okay. If you're not raising your hand, you're just, there's 12 year olds raising their hand right now. Okay. It's just like, we all have cell phones. Okay. We all have phones. And the crazy part about this little device right here is it has more technology and power in it than what put the first man on the moon. Isn't that crazy? That you're just looking at it and you're going, this is crazy. Our phones are with us all the time. And we do so many things on it. For many, it's to-do lists, it's text messaging, it's calling, very few of us calling, but emails, internet, whatever it is, there's so much great things that we can do with our phones. Most of us, it's our life. We sleep with it, we pet it, we treat it, we spend more time than most of our kids, right? It's like everything to us. And when it's lost, you're like, who am I? What am I doing in this world? Is this what cavemen were like? Yes, they were. But listen, What's crazy part about it, and we've all experienced this, when you've used it too much, the battery goes down, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, it goes black. And you're like, ah. And then this turns into a rectangle, black piece of junk, right? It's worthless. And so each night, what we do, if you're like me, is you connect it to the power source so it can recharge, so it has purpose, value, and it can be a service to us. Listen to me. When you are connected to Jesus, remaining in Jesus, you are connected to the power source, and you have worth and amazing grace, and you have peace, and you have amazing, amazing abundance and blessings that comes to you. And watch this. You have promises. Promises. That's the second thing. First thing is position. The second thing when we remain is we get 
promises. Let me give you two promises. What are these promises, Pastor Chris? Let me give you two of them. Number one, John 15, five says, you will bear spiritual fruit, spiritual fruit. He says this, John 55 says, if you remain in me and I in you, that's conditional. If you remain in me, listen, I'm not talking about salvation. Am I going to heaven? No, this is, this is about fruit. Fruit is here on earth. Well, guess what? We're not gonna have fruit in heaven because he's gonna be everything we need and have, amen? So this is really big. Fruit, you will bear spiritual fruit. If you remain in me and I will you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the question that I get all the time is, Pastor Chris, what is fruit? Well, Galatians 5, Paul begins to break down what is fruit. Here's what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You guys know the song, right? Don't act like you're too cool to be in here, okay? I, I learned it from my kids. They taught me that song, all right? But we see he lists out the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying the fruit, when you're connected to the vine, you bear this fruit that is amazing. So, so let me say it this way. If you're connected to the vine and you want to have a better marriage, you can do that by just staying in the vine. Well, what do you mean? I don't have to be a better husband. Of course you do. If you connect, you're going to love, you're going to have peace, you're going to have joy. And we tend to go on the other side and we tend to go, well, if I just try to have more love, try to have more joy, if I try to do everything, let me, let me ask you a question. You ever seen an apple tree try to bear apples? Uh, squeeze them out real good. Golden delicious, golden delicious, golden delicious, right? No. Pink ladies, pink, like, No. What do they do? All a tree does is it abides. It bears down into the soil and it buries its roots. And if its roots are good, it's gonna bear good fruit. It's all about what it's connected to. So you're going, if you wanna be a better leader, remain connected. You wanna be a better parent, remain connected to Jesus. You wanna be a better, better husband, remain connected to Jesus. I wanna be a better student, employee, teacher, spiritually. I wanna get closer to God. Remain with Jesus and you will bear much fruit. That's a promise. I want you to notice something. Paul doesn't say the fruits of the spirit. He said the fruit of the spirit. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? He didn't make it plural, he made it singular. Because I don't believe Paul wanted us working on being more loving or patient. Like, think about it for a second. You're sitting in a car line, or you're sitting in traffic, or you're, sitting, you're at the grocery store, or Disney World, or wherever, and you're going, I wanna be more patient, I wanna be more patient, be more patient, be more patient, be more patient, be more. And you just try to be more patient. And then you get through it, and you're going, I did really well. I was patient today. And you go home, and your kids are acting crazy, and you explode on them, right? How many have ever done that before? Let's just be honest. Everybody has, right? And you're trying to be more patient. You're trying to be more loving. Or let me give you another example. Most of you, when you walked into church, and I love this. This is not a downplay. I just love this. Is that you walk in and I see the best side of you every Sunday, don't I? Hi, Pastor Chris. Good morning. You know, God bless you. And you just like you put on that smile church face and you just start smiling and you wave. God bless you. You know, little did we know you were yelling at each other and your spouse in the car right before using curse words and everything, right? We put on the church face and we try to act more loving. Look at me. We try to act more loving, 
but you can't be more loving. You can try to act more patient, but you can't be more patient. Just like an apple tree can't act like it's bearing apples, but if it is, and if it just is its being, then it will bear more apples. It's the same thing with us. You will bear spiritual fruit if we just remain, remain. We don't have to try. We just have to abide. Just abide and our roots will do the work. And the great part is we partner with God and we begin to go, this is a promise that if we abide in you, love is gonna come out of me. Joy is gonna come out of me. Peace is gonna come out of me. It sounds so simple. How many know it's so hard to do? Abiding in Jesus. He is the source of all of our power, our strength. And when you stay connected, here's what it does. It transforms you. It transforms you. And the second promise is this. The second promise is not only will you bear much spiritual fruit. Here's what it says. It says you're going to have spiritual power. Somebody say power. Power. You've got the power. Here's what John 15 verse 7 says this. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. You're going, genie? Is this a genie? I love it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And so most of us read that, and, and if we're just really, really honest with ourselves, we go, okay, I want a Ferrari. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay, I want, and some of you are walking in here, I want a spouse, and you're going, who is it? Who is it in here? Yeah. All you singles out there are going, who is it? And, and you kind of name it and claim it in church, and you go, that man is mine. That man is mine. All right? You're like, you can't name and claim a spouse. Okay, I'm just letting you know right now. And, and you just go by. And most of us are going, well, well great, I want a raise. Well, then I can, just, I can just get a raise. And we think God will do whatever I say. Here's the principle of it. Let's be honest. What are those? Those are really fleshly prayers, aren't they? They're not bad things. God wants to give you those things but he doesn't want them to be the main thing. So what happens when we're connected? You want to know what happens? Is my desires become his desires. His desires become my desires. When I get close to him, his heart becomes my heart. When I get close to him, I see what he sees. When I get close to him, watch this, and remain connected, his will now becomes my will. I begin to pray for what God's will is, not for what my will is. It's why Jesus said, when you pray, it's thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's when you're in proximity with Jesus and remain connected to him, your desires, your taste begins to change. And you begin operating in a different way. And you begin, watch this. And as you begin to pray for his will, here's what happens. You see supernatural miracles begin to happen. You see his power begin to be released in you. And watch this, your faith grows and you want to continue to do that. Let me give you an example. We were here a couple months ago last year doing one of our worship nights on a Wednesday night. And we were here, we were worshiping. God was healing. We just felt like a call to heal. And so God was healing people, redeeming, restoring. It's what he does. But at the very end, I was about to come up and close it. And I just felt the spirit begin to say, Pray for kids at home. They were watching online. I was like, what are you talking about? Pray for kids at home. There's sick kids at home. Pray for kids at home. So I came up 
And because I was connected to the spirit, connected to the vine, I heard a supernatural, not a voice, but a still small voice. And how many know that can be nerve wracking? I'm just going, hey, at home, pray. (laughs) And I just said, somebody has sick kids there and you need to go pray for them right now. They've been sick all week. You need to go pray for them right now. Now, I just left it at that. Didn't think anything of it. I get a text the next morning. Hey, I just want to let you know, that was for me at the end. My kids have been sick all week. None of them gone to school and they went to bed sick and I went and laid my hands on them. I prayed over them. All of them woke up in the morning. All of them were healed. All of them went to school and all the parents said, amen. You see, when you're connected, you can see supernatural miracles begin to happen. When you're connected, you begin to see things that were dead come alive. And you're going, well, you're a pastor. You're really connected. No, 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 no. We have the same access to the same God. He tore the veil so that there was no more priests and people of high wages that could get into the Holy of Holies. He tore the veil so that everyone could enter the throne room of God and ask for whatever they want. And when you begin to change and are connected, you don't ask for what you want. You ask for what he wants. And power comes upon you. And when you're connected, humanly impossible things become possible with God. Become possible with God when you just remain. Now, for those of you who are very pragmatic and practical, you're going, okay, all of this, it sounds great, but how? (laughs) And I know some of you are laughing. You're going, give me the formula. Give me the steps. Give me the method. Here's what I'm going to give you. How do we remain connected? Last, last couple minutes is the third one. First, we got to know our position. The second thing is we got to know that we have promises. The third thing is this. We have to practice. Doesn't sound really fun. Doesn't sound cool, right? Practice. How many, let's be honest in here. How many, how many are golfers in here? You go, I'm a golfer. Raise your hand. It's okay. We love you still. Go raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to know all my golfers in here. Raise your hand high. I say, I golf. Say, I golf. If you golf. A lot of people in here. Awesome. I hate you in a Jesus kind of way. I hate you. I'm terrible at golf. I'm terrible at golf, but I so desire to be a golfer. I think I like what they wear. Like they just look cool and everything, right? They got the hat, the sporty tucked in shirt with like the nice belts and like the cool cleats, but they're not really cleats. They're just kind of cool shoes. And then they got the cool glove they put on and then they just, they look and they, just, they think they're looking and they do one of those. And then I so desire to be one, a golfer, but I'm terrible. And I desire to wear what they wear. And I desire to play like they play. But here's what I know. And I know the reality of it is this. Is golf takes a lot of time, energy, effort, and money. Listen, I want to be a golfer, but I'm not willing to commit to live the lifestyle that a golfer has. Many of you want to be like Jesus, but you're not willing to commit to living a lifestyle that Jesus lived. That's a hard truth. Is that we want the byproduct of spirituality without the effort of being spiritual. 
And so here's what happens. Listen to me. I love this quote, the quote that I heard before. It said this, it said that God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. You can try, it's okay. You can put effort, God loves that, but you don't dare have to earn your sonship or daughtership in the Lord. You've already, Jesus bought that place for you. You can live in that place. Now you just need to learn what it means to be a son and daughter of God. But here's, here's the truth of it all. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's why I said it's practice. It's practice. It's practice. We want the byproduct of Jesus, but we don't want to put in the practice that Jesus practiced because he's our example. He is our model. And if you look at the gospel, listen to me. Most of us know what to do spiritually. Read your Bible, pray, come to church. Guess what? Jesus did all those things. You wanna know how Jesus lived? Jesus lived a slow, unhurried, unbusied life. You notice in the gospels, we never see him running to a place. He's walking everywhere. He walks everywhere and everyone he passes by, if he senses he wants to talk to him, he stops and have a conversation with them. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've been through, how they look, how they smell, what the society says about them. He stopped and he had a conversation with them. And not only did he do that, he ate a lot of meals. Anytime we see Jesus in the gospel, he's always eating with somebody. I don't know what it is. But then we see him fasting. We see him teaching. We see him going away and slipping away from his disciples to be alone with his father. We see him every Sunday in the church or the synagogue, excuse me, every Saturday in the synagogue reading scripture. We see him living in community where he's not alone and he's living with people that he loves and he's, he's doing life with them. He's, he's serving people. He's pouring into others. He is our model and our example. And when we remain connected to him, then we have to be willing to practice the things that he practiced. Now you might be going, Pastor Chris, he was God though. True. But the Bible tells us he was also man. He was 100% God, 100% man. You don't think he got forced, tried to get forced into a busy life? You don't think he tried to get forced into a distraction away from being with his father? You don't think he got distracted by all the people saying, feed us, Jesus. You fed 5,000, feed me. And Jesus was unbothered by someone trying to pull on him. Why? Because he was so connected with his heavenly father. He said, I only want to do his will. Those are the practices. And some of you are still going, this is such a, a big elephant, Pastor Chris. How am I ever supposed to just start just biting this elephant one bite at a time? How am I supposed to do that? Well, let me ask you another question. How many of you right now, if I said, let's go run a marathon, would die with me right now? I would die. Everyone in here probably would die except for you runners, which I hate you in a Jesus kind of way as well. Think about it. We would, I would die if I, I tried to run a marathon tomorrow but we don't do that because guess what? You work into it. Listen, Christianity is not about trying. It's about training. Just like you train for a marathon where you would start out slow, where you would start out with a short distance run and then you would work up to two, three, four, five, 10 miles, 15, 27. I don't know how a marathon is, but it's a long way, right? 
you would work up to longer distances. But in the Christian life, we think it's all or nothing. No, no, no. Just start small and begin practicing. And over time, you begin to walk differently, talk differently, love differently, have joy differently. And you're going, well, well, Pastor Chris, I I don't understand the Bible. Guess what? You take vitamins and you don't understand what they do either. But it's doing something to you. When you read the Bible, most of the time you're not reading it, it's reading you. So watch this. Let me just give you something very easy. Start practicing. Just 10 minutes. Pull out a Bible. Start in John and just read for 10 minutes. Pray for 10 minutes, but be consistent. And over time, you're going to look back and you're going to go, people are going to go, you're different. What did you do? You cut your hair? Did you, did you, did you shave your head? What, what did you do? Did you lose weight? Nope, just spent time with Jesus. Why? Because I want to live the lifestyle he lived. And if I want to live the lifestyle of his, I got to commit to living how he lived. If I want to be like Jesus, I got to spend time with Jesus. It's called practice. Let me close with this story. In my sports career, I did a lot of practicing. And when I got to the NFL, super blessed. You do a lot of practicing still. And it's not like you magically begin to love practice when it becomes your profession and getting paid for it, right? And my mom, what's so funny is my mom, after I got out of the NFL, she goes, oh, now you have to get a real job. And I was like, a real job? Did I have a fake job before? But... Guess I did. But guess what? I loved what I did, but I still hated practice. Going in every day, I hated training camp. Lord, we were in Millsaps, Mississippi, at Millsaps College, excuse me, at Millsaps College at Jackson, Mississippi, in the dead of August heat. The turf was 124 degrees. It was so hot, it was so miserable. But we practiced and we practiced and we practiced. And you practice so much so that on Sunday, on game days, when the the enemy and the battle comes at you, watch this, I'm able to stand. Why? Because you don't rise to the level of the occasion. You fall to the level of your preparation. Jesus said the storms of life will come. Many of you have already experienced those storms. Some of you are walking through them right now. And when we abide and remain and stay with Jesus, it is preparing us for when the day comes, when the enemy attacks. And watch this, the Bible says you'll stand. You will stand. When everyone else is buckling, you're going to stand. When everyone else can't believe that you can make it, you're going to stand. And it won't be your power. It'll be God's power that you're connected to because you're able to stand. In Acts chapter four, when the church came into being through the Holy Spirit, it's crazy because Peter and John got whipped for speaking the name of Jesus. And it said they walked away counting it pure joy that they could suffer for Jesus. 
I would not consider it pure joy if somebody was whipping me for Jesus. I'd be mad at Jesus. But guess what they knew? I just got to stay with him. I just got to stay connected. I just have to stay there planted because if I disconnect myself, I won't be able to bear fruit. I won't be able to see the promises and the power of God. And you will struggle. And I believe in here this morning, I just feel the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some in here that have disconnected. You didn't mean to, but you just disconnected. My prayer this morning is not that I would charge you. My prayer this morning is like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, that as you turn and walk back to the father, he comes running out to you. Because he's never left you or forsake you, even when we have disconnected ourselves. Even when we haven't remained, he remains with us. Now is an opportunity, church. Now is an opportunity for us to be so pressed in and remaining with Jesus that people say, you're different. You're different. And for some of us, it's a moment to return back to the Father that we were once connected to. Would you bow your head? Let me pray for you. God, I pray for all those in here right now in the name of Jesus, even all those that are watching online or listening right now that just, it hit them. They haven't remained in you. And I don't want this to be a condemnation, God. This is not a guilt trip. This is an eye-opening thing. When there is conviction of the Holy Spirit, we know you're calling us back. Thank you, God, that we didn't earn your grace and we can never fall from your grace, God. But we can disconnect from the vine and sometimes feel like we can do it on our own. So I pray in the name of Jesus for boldness, strength to run back to the Father. I pray against the, the enemy, the lies of the enemy that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy every great and amazing thing that you want to give us this morning, God. And I pray even this week will be a reconnection remaining week. There will be more fire. There will be more fervency, God. There will be more urgency to connect each and every single day with our Heavenly Father because your spirit is with us for those who are born again, children of God. So I pray we tap into that every opportunity that we can. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, for those of you, you may be in sitting in here and I've been talking to the believer, to the child of God, to those who have been born again. And you might be going, well, I've never been born again. John chapter three, verse three and five, Jesus said, you must be born again in order to enter in or even see the kingdom of heaven. It's your first step in your journey. You can't remain if you're not with. Coming to church is great. Being baptized is awesome. Joining the church is awesome. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's saying, I now belong to Jesus and I want him to make me born again. It only happens one, just like your physical birthday where you were born one time. You have a spiritual birthday where you were born one time. And you make a decision to enter into a relationship, just like a marriage. You enter into that relationship 
and you walk with Jesus, you abide and remain in Jesus. It is the starting point. For some of you, you've never made that decision before. And you're going, Pastor Chris, how do I do that? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. Be believed that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover my past, present, and future sins. And see, we confess him as our savior. And now he is Lord over our entire lives. If that's you in here, I wanna give you that opportunity this morning to be born again. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Chris, include me in the born again prayer. I'm not gonna embarrass you. We're gonna all say this prayer together. It's not the prayer that makes you saved or born again. It is your faith, the Bible says in Jesus that makes you a child of God. So if that's you in here, on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand and wave it at me if you wanna be included in this prayer. One, God has you here for a reason. Two, it's not an accident you're here. He knew since the beginning of time that he is calling you back home. Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Wave it, wave it high and wave it at me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, thank you. You can put your hands down. 16, one last opportunity. If you raise it once, you don't ever have to raise it again. But if you wanna join those 16, I want you to raise it now. This is for you. Anyone else? Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Church, with all those hands that were raised, let's repeat this prayer all together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is now my home in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give it up for all those who prayed that prayer. Awesome.